Hey everyone, Ben Belak and Zach Goldsmith here with another episode of To Live and Buy in Los Angeles. After today's episode, you will have a deeper understanding of what new development real estate really is. Sweet. We're going to discuss different product types, tips for working with developers, and how to successfully build out a business in this highly sought-after space for our special series of Real Estate Rockstars. Today, we have a very, very special guest joining us. Hana Cha, also known as Hurricane Hana, has been part of over $4 billion in new development projects across the Americas. She's earned an extraordinary depth of experience in all facets of new development, marketing, sales, and operations, which has made her the trusted partner of top real estate developers and investors on over 30-plus notable urban and resort properties. Wow, good for you. Hana's breadth of experience in rebranding and relaunching multiple broken projects through the U.S. is unmatched. And now she's created a masterclass subscription service called The Assembly, which is a complete guide to pitching, marketing, and selling new development. And as someone who has personally subscribed, I can tell you it's worth every penny. Hana... Welcome to the show. Thank you for that amazing intro. <laughs> You're welcome. Do <laughs> and you thanks really for having pay, me here. You, oh, do you really pay a subscription for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't. There's no friends and family. It's a. It's a, he. Ben went the full out and bought the full package. So there's no subscription. <laughs> it's a one time. Guy buys I want a lot of full packages. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way to do it. I'm also in it. He oh, is also no in. wonder. Okay. I'm also in so it. it's a marketing expense. I it's bought it so I could watch myself more. That's impressive. More. I'd love to know about that. I'm sure Ben will ask you about that because he's got a whole list of questions for you because he's <laughs> excited about this episode. <laughs> he's been so excited all week about you coming on. And you had oh, to cancel last time, right? Because he had to fly to Beijing. What were you doing? <laughs> I had to fly to Beijing and back in one day. Yes. Okay. New dev. New dev. <laughs> so diving in. <laughs> right in i want to calibrate our audience what is the difference between resale and new development so resale and new development i think from a resale agent's perspective when they hear the term new development they think of niles niami building ground up mansion in bel-air mm-hmm. in this scope of new development and new development that i know it is a developer that's building more than one home. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it's more than 50 or 100 or 500. That is a part of a hotel project or a bigger mixed-use kind of project. So so you're dealing in buildings, new development buildings, multiple family structures under one roof. Exactly. So you can think about condo buildings. You can think about condo hotel residences, master plan communities, small lot subdivision communities. So any situation where there's more than one residential house available. Yeah. How do, you find your, how do you find your niche in that particular world? Because it's very refined. There aren't many people who do it. And there aren't many people who do it well. For you to be at the top of that game, how did you jump in? And how do you stay at the top in that world? I started real estate in new development. So I got into this business not knowing anything about resale, not knowing anything about traditional brokerage world. And so my very first job in real estate was working for a developer. So that was kind of my 
I guess, entry into the into yeah. the real estate business as a whole. Yeah. So, Hannah, for our audience at home, what are the three types of new development? Um, three major types of new development. You have, I'll go smallest to largest. Small lot subdivision communities, you see a lot of, more of those coming up in L.A. They take one parcel of land, it's divided up into subdivisions, and now you have six. Um, Let's give a couple examples of those in town. And S- you could do that on, a, on an old house, right? A lot of people take down old little houses. If if it Small is Small lot. No, 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 no. There's contiguous lots. There, no, it's one lot of where a single house used to be. If it is zoned um, for the parcel to be with that you could put a track map on a parcel, that parcel can be cut up and subdivided so that multiple houses can be on it. Okay, but it's Bronson, gotta be big enough. Yeah. Bronson residences that, you know, you and your team, we all work on together, is that perfect example. Before that project came to life, it was one single family house. I think it was like 1,200 square feet that sat on, what is it, a 9,000 square feet lot, right? Mm -hmm. And so now there's six single family homes that are are all range from 15 to 2,500 square feet and they're vertical. On one lot, where one on house. On one lot, did. exactly. I so I was right. Back you are. I apologize, but I was write that down. I was thinking about different small lot subdivisions. Okay, so that's one. So set. that's small lot, and then you have your you know traditional condo building. Condo building just means it's attached. You know, you share walls. Typically, there's a lot of them in LA. You know, small amenity set or large amenity set, whatever the case. You have your pool, your fitness center. Um, there's a lobby space, and then you just have floors of condo units. Mm-hmm. Um, the next is your mixed use residential or condo building, which means there's, you know, ground floor retail, maybe offices, and then you have condos on top. Got it. Right. And then the last kind of the big thing um, in luxury world is your branded hotel condo residences. Mm. So we're talking about, you know, the Four Seasons residences. We're talking about the Pendry residences. We're talking about Mandarin Oriental Mm. residences. Being in new development, right? Like if Zach and I may take a, we take a listing agreement for six months, right? And in the last market cycle, maybe we sell a house in a week. It's in escrow for 30 days or we sell a house in three months. It's in escrow for 30 days. And then it's sayonara. What, What do you think, what is the right, you think, agent archetype or maybe what is that agent looking for out of the business where they should consider going into new development? We toured the Fairmont Century Plaza the other day, and I asked the on-site sales team, what is your pro forma timeline for selling these 250 units? And they said, "Like we'd like to have them sold in three-ish years. And, but they were like four would probably be normal. And then they said, you know, we want to, they said something like we have a number, like for every 70 units, we calculate X amount. I can't Mm -hmm. remember, but I feel like someone like, uh, like some of our colleagues, um, where maybe like the ADD would set in on the products. Like who, who is this, who is this for? (laughs) You mean because it's monotonous? And you're, I, well, it, it can be. Maybe. Maybe it's well, not. It, I mean, it, it, yes, and it can be. It can become monotonous very quick, and especially if you are, <clears throat> if you are representing a larger project where you have, quite frankly, more than twenty units. So we're talking about two hundred and fifty. It does get very monotonous, and that's really why you have to build a team to be able to scale and service the project and the client correctly. I mean, look, I think if you talk about absorption, 
every project is so different in every market and where we are, not just location market, but where we are in the cycle of the market. You know, the very first project I was on in 2008, you know, we sold 167 units and closed them in four and a half months. Um, the Ritz-Carlton, we sold 212 units, no, 224 units out of the 244, and it was 30 months, it was like 30 months and 10 days, you know, so it just depends on where we are. Um, so to go back to your question, for the agent, look, if you are interested in new development, I think one, if you're going after these larger projects, you have to be able to scale it so that scale your team so you can service it. Right now, and in, in over the last, let's call it 12 months, absorption I mean, sales volume across the board has slowed down a lot. Absorption in these projects are less than one sale a month. So if we look at something like the Fairmont. That's 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's we, a big piece of someone's life. What makes new development suitable, do you think, for that? What, what type of person is it more suitable for? The great real estate agents, like, you know, you are very disciplined in your skill and you're very regimented in what you have to do on a day to day to create and build and maintain the business you have. Not all agents are there yet. Right. And so new development is a great way to diversify the different funnels in which you can build your pipeline and go after more business and new business. You know, and if you get a new development listing, even if it's just six units on a small lot subdivision project, you've got six homes to sell with one pitch. I think that in itself says a lot, yeah. right? Well, the commission is reduced, though. When you're, when no. You're, when you, no, when no. you're an in-house listing agent for 44 units. There's not, and there's benchmarks. We, the first one we sold together was eight, and our commission wasn't reduced. And in fact, we made more if we sold more. Mm-hmm. And you're offering the buyer's agent... Two and a half percent. You guys take two and a half percent also on 100 units? The short answer is yes, but again, everybody is different. There is no standard term, there is no like standard set way that you have to do it. Look, yeah, one, I, of, one I, of my favorite things that you do is you'll be like, I'm like, when's this listing end? You're like, uh, when we sell them. What do you think bullet-wise are the fundamentals of a new dev pitch? First and foremost, it is really important to try to really understand what the developer's you know, business goals and financial needs are. Mm-hmm. And try to understand where they're coming from so that you can empathize and deliver to them you know, a pitch or a service offering that takes into consideration what they need. Um, And really, I think the other part to this is like, you also have to kind of create your own boundaries. Like, I would never take a deal at a discount rate. And you know, I always say discount agents provide discount service. Discount developers build discount shit. Like, Mm -hmm. it just not, it doesn't, there is no discount in the you know, in the service world that we call luxury white glove service real estate. Mm -hmm. And so people quickly learn the difference. Exactly. Exactly. And so you have to be able to set your own parameters and, you know, developers will push and then you just say, you know what? This isn't for me. Exactly. And you walk away and actually that's the most powerful thing you can do. 
So, but back to fundamentals for a new dev pitch, what do you think broadly are some of the things? And if, you know, you don't have to rattle it all off, but if you've got a couple things on the top of your head, it sounds like one of them is empathy. By the way, while you think about that, one of the most incredible lessons I learned from Hana, I've learned many lessons working with her and new dev just about the way with which she strategizes very different from single family. Sometimes she'll like move the average square price per square around to suit a strategy that we're trying to achieve. We had one where we're really having trouble selling the final unit because it was a challenge and the developers and us really didn't want that to be the last unit um, because it was the least sexy. But what so what happened was I started kind of doing my thing and, you know, pushing them down about price and all that stuff. And Hana was like, you, you're going to have to stop at a certain point. And I, I said, why? Like, we're trying to sell this out. They're all sold. And she said, because they make their money on the last one. Oh, interesting. They're yeah. make, they're yeah. pay, they've paid their investors back. Yeah. So, like, there's all these, like, little nuances um, so aside from empathy and understanding, we did a really great exercise. We did a we did a SWAT yesterday mm-hmm. on so strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats yesterday on a couple. Um, th- it sounds like that's in it. That's kind of a really great kind of pocket rocket of sorts of the way with which you first talk with developers. Would you agree? I hundred percent agree. I think that anytime you're looking at approaching a developer, uh, whether the project is built, not built, you know, or stalled, you have to really understand what the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of the project are. Because when you have the conversation, you know. The developer knows you as the real estate agent, like you want the listing, you're pitching for the listing, but it's more about like, what can you do for me? What can you deliver and, you know, share with me that I may not already have access to or I may not already know? Mm-hmm. So for an, any agent, you know, when and I like I go through this mental exercise all the time and it's great to do it like mm-hmm. on the whiteboard like we did yesterday, mm-hmm. literally write out a list of the strengths of the weaknesses, what are potential opportunities, what are, you know, potential threats, and how can I position all of these factors into a meaningful conversation to tell the developer, hey, I know what I'm talking about, here are the things I see, here are some of the missing pieces, but you know what, we're going to take all of these threats and create opportunities with them because these strengths support it. It, so on, on that note, I know creating an actionable step-by-step plan to build a strategic foundation for a sales team to understand the strategy and execute and tracking sales metrics is important to your model. Can you talk a little bit about how you do that and why? And I'll, I'll tee you up a little bit. Looking at conversion rates versus tracking dollar spent versus inventory absorption. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's so much of this. You know, first and foremost, I think we have to go back to who the developer is. Most developers, especially on these bigger buildings, they are financial mechanics before anything else, right? So when you're sitting and having a conversation with them, they don't care about all of the art Mm -hmm. of the science Mm -hmm. pitch. Like they want to know the science, the art of the pitch. They want to know the science of the pitch. Uh, Does a that big make difference sense? So, in a single family and multi-units. Yes. It's a exactly. numbers game. These guys are from a mathematician perspective. You know, and I say this to anybody that any real estate agent, whether new, seasoned, in between, whatever, like if you don't know your own metrics today, 
how many deals you've done, how many pitches you've gone on, how many of those pitches did you actually win? What's your average days on market on a listing? Like, you know, what's your average price per square foot? What's your gross sales volume sold to date? All of these things are such meaningful benchmarks. And when you're looking at you know, when you're representing these buildings and you have to sell all of these units, you have to be able to call out numbers confidently and surely like, you know, it's everything. And so you look at conversion rates. If as an agent, if you're not working with the CRM system, I, I think you have to make that investment right now. And and if you can't like build something out on Google Sheets and start tracking because you want to understand how many, you know, if you're spending $10,000 a month on ads between Google, Meta, and LinkedIn, you know, how many of those, how many leads are coming through? Like track your cost per acquisition. And from those leads, how many are you actually getting in front of and taking them through the property? So now you go from cost, cost of, you know, cost per acquisition to cost of actual showing and do any of those people ever close? And if you can talk those numbers and those benchmarks, when you're sitting in front of a client and you're saying, you know, I can sell these 50 units, you can say, you know, based on my $10,000 a month advertising spend, like I'm getting 325 leads, 60% of those people show up. And of those 60, you know, 60%, like I'm getting a 12% hit rate that's coming back for a BBAT. So if I have 50 units to sell, I know that we need a marketing budget of $250,000 over the term of the 16 months. And this is going to get me 64,000 leads. I'm going to convert 60% of those. We're going to do, you know, 24,000 showings to get the 250 sold. And then she has them pay for the marketing budget. Brilliant. Because that's Absolutely something we don't. Absolutely brilliant. But here's also what I think is so important to that is that as a real estate agent, no matter if you're a new dev or in your, you're in resale, most real estate agents do not have a strategy. They just deploy tactics. They're like, the market's tough. What am I going to do? I should probably start farming again. And then like nothing happens. They don't measure it. It's expensive. And then they stop after like the sixth or seventh postcard, yeah. right? They get behind. They don't know what's going on with the design. But if you can look at your gross income every year and be like, okay, on average, I should be taking per like most small businesses, 10% off the top for marketing. And then I'm going to deploy all that this way. And then I learn after doing that one year that I actually made a lot of money from a $20,000 investment. Mm -hmm. Why don't we make that an $80,000 investment? Exactly. You know, so it, it, it's, it can be that tracking and measuring again, as tedious as it may seem in the beginning, if you can automate it, it can, it, it's really a game changer. And also it helps you with having a marketing budget, which was kind of the next thing I was going to ask you, how, how important do you think that is? And, and also what do you, and also having a cadence of reporting. Do you, what? <laughs> Just, those are three big things, yes. Uh, my, Go ahead, you can start where you want. I wanted to, you know, I think, first, if the tracking, tracking your numbers and tracking conversion rates, I feel like if you're really good in this business, like, that shit is so fun. Like, you should want to know. And if it's not fun for you, and for whatever reason, you're just, like, not interested, like, 
I don't know that you're a real salesperson, honestly. Um, but, but many people don't track and measure and they make big sales. Are you saying they're leaving a lot of money on the table? Potentially. Look, if you are already up there, you know, I bet you they are. You just don't know about it. Like there is a machine behind the scenes that is tracking. It just, it's, you know, it's just kind of plain business theory 101. It is. Like you have to know your numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so from that, we're talking about a marketing budget. Look, I think a marketing budget for an agent is, I think you would know that better than me. Marketing budgets on new development projects, I think that, you know, again, it depends on the size of the project, how many you need to sell and where we are in the market. It also depends if you're in an urban market or if you're in a resort destination where you only have a six month sales season. So your marketing mm. budget can range anywhere from seven to 10% of the entire sellout. Mm. So, you know, you have a hundred units to sell that are, let's say on average a million dollars, you have a hundred million dollar sellout, like you need to have a good seven to ten million dollars for the marketing budget, and if you don't, like, you're going to run out of money at some point, and you're going to sit there stalled and like twiddling your thumbs, going, "Oh, shit, yeah, waiting, what do we do? waiting for the phone to yeah, ring or exactly. to get fired." With that, let's talk about the assembly and kind of what it is um, about it. Uh, maybe not its current cost because it may go up in the future, <laughs> but but what is it? Um, why did you create it? And um, you know, why should someone who's looking to get into new dev um, why do they need to have it? Mm-hmm. The assembly is the 15 years of my professional experience that I've really encapsulated into a program. Mm-hmm. I created it really because, you know, when I got into New Dev, there, and I think even today, there really isn't any formal guide yeah, or no teachings curriculum. or no, yeah, like you want to learn about something New Dev, like there's nowhere to go to. And when I got into this business, like forget New Dev, like I barely knew anybody in real estate, period. Mm-hmm. And so, when all of these things were happening, you know, like I, one of my first projects, I, we took over one of these, another s- stalled project. Um, there were 57 deals in contract that all needed to cancel. And my first day, like I walked into an office with like two ginormous piles of contracts mm-hmm. and they were like, we got to figure out what to do. And it was just me. And I'm like, okay, I'm not a lawyer. Like, Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't I have no fucking idea what I'm supposed to do. Um, and so there was so much of that kind of struggle at the beginning for me of just really wanting to call somebody and say, yo, Ben, like, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, how do you deal with this? Mm-hmm. And so I created the assembly because it just wanted to create more resources and provide information and just make information more readily available and accessible to anybody that was interested in learning it. And what's it consist of, basically? It takes you through the full gamut. How to pitch for a developer, you know, the fundamentals of a pitch, understanding different product types, why they're different, and, you know, everything from disclosures and transactional differences to different marketing strategies, differences in marketing budget, how to build different teams, uh, how to think about structuring commission terms, draw terms, market, you know, how to have developer pay for things and where you really need to draw the line. Mm-hmm. Um, Boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And then also there's how many hours of fireside chats with people that you think are important contributors yeah. to your experience? We have, oh, I love that. We have 10 fireside chats with 10 industry experts in very different segments of this. You know, Ben talked about him being involved 
he's involved as the, you know, Local schmageg. <laughs> As the realtor who has really done well in his resale business and how he experienced new development and his perspective and take on it. Right. So we have conversations with two separate developers. Um, PR. With, with a research and planning you know, expert, um, two creative directors, an interior designer that's done a ton of interior design work for developers. So it's a, kind of the full gamut and it touches on all of those different pieces of what's involved. Guys, thank you for tuning in to another information-packed episode of To Live and Buy in Los Angeles from our special series... Real Estate Rockstars here with Hana Cha, a legend in her space. She is known as Hurricane Hana for a reason. I personally have learned so much from her in the last near decade. We've known each other. Um, she is a major piece of the agency's initial launch, inception, and success with all of these co-branding representations and solving problems other real estate agents have created before her. Well, um, thank God you're with us. Um, Hana, where can they find the assembly? Uh, you can find the assembly at thehanacollective.com. And where can they find you on the Grizzam? At the Hana Collective. I'm at Ben Bellack, seated next to my main squeeze at Zach Goldsmith 24. Zach, you want to take us out? Yeah, I think I bought an eighth from the Hana Collective recently. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Super bien. <laughs> <laughs>